With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. From Business Insider, I'm Rich Filoni. Today, we've got another masterclass in business. This time, how to work with a partner. When you align yourself with somebody, you got to believe in the same thing. And knowing your strengths and your weaknesses is incredibly important. Trust each other in an implicit way. One of the most popular cliches about business partnerships is that they're like marriages. That might sound corny, but it's true. Like in a marriage, you'll get to know your partner better than anyone else, including all their quirks and gross habits. You'll find ways that you complement each other. You'll also find ways that you clash. Building your business is like building a family. You'll share joyous occasions, and you'll have fights that threaten to tear everything apart. But when you agree to a partnership, you're deciding to go through all of this, the good and the bad, together. Because you believe that it's better for both of you than going it alone. This week on This Is Success, we're revisiting some of our favorite stories about business partnerships and how our guests have made them work. We're starting with Lyft president John Zimmer, who co-founded the ride-sharing company with Logan Green. He told Business Insider's U.S. editor-in-chief, Allison Chantel, that their relationship began suddenly and by chance. But Zimmer could tell that their shared enthusiasm for the project was worth taking a risk. In 2007, I was on Facebook one night, and Logan Green, my co-founder, who I didn't know at the time, posted on a mutual friend's Facebook page that he was launching a website called Zimride. And what I came to realize is that he named Zimride after a trip he took to Zimbabwe, where he saw people sharing rides out of necessity, which happens in many developing countries. And he had built it himself and was obsessed with providing an alternative to car ownership. And I reached out to our mutual friend and I said, how well do you know Logan and why the hell did he call his company Zimride? And so reached out to the mutual friend, Logan flew to New York and we, we met each other and this was 10 years ago and we started working together. How does that happen? You find someone who eventually becomes your co-founder, who you've never met, you live on opposite coasts. This is like long distance dating to the extreme. Plus, you've got this other full-time, I assume, demanding job at Lehman. Yeah, I wasn't sleeping much. I I was really excited. But I just was way more passionate about working on Zimride and felt like that was really important to be doing. And so I decided I was going to leave after my two-year analyst program. I was told that I was crazy to leave a short thing like Lehman Brothers for a silly carpool startup. And again, Lehman wasn't around three months later. And then I used Zimride to carpool across the country to meet Logan, and we both moved to Silicon Valley. Wow. And you guys just hit it off, and you were like, I could do this with you. This could be great. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it was a side project. And so it it felt like a school project where there was a lot of interest, passion, and we had a 
big vision, but we didn't know what it was going to be. And so we just wanted to see it work. We wanted to see if we could flip a student population at a university. We were mostly focused on college campuses and make the majority carpool to get home for spring break. That was the main challenge, and that's what we were trying to solve. So we moved to Palo Alto and Menlo Park. For the first three years, we didn't take a salary. And so the three years, no salary. Yeah. Good thing you saved saved a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. So it was helpful that I'd save some money. And we basically lived in an apartment that was also our office. We called it the Apartfest. And actually, I slept on the couch for at least six months before upgrading to my best friend's parents' house, which was a major upgrade. Got a full bed. And then not until uh, my now wife came out and said, this is ridiculous. Like, we need a little bit of space. So then moved out of that situation. Next, we've got Harry's co-founder and co-CEO, Jeff Rader. He and his business partner, Andy Katz Mayfield, have grown Harry's from a shaving startup into a full-fledged company with millions of customers. Before that, Rader helped start eyeglasses brand Warby Parker, which also had co-CEOs, as well as four co-founders. His experience making that work taught him partners have to clearly define their responsibilities and not let their egos get in the way. So, I mean, I think having co-founders and co-CEOs in a company is great. Um, If you feel like you've got a great relationship with that other person and your skills complement each other well. Um, You know, when you're starting a company early on, you've got so many things you've got to do. I mean, there's all these different functional buckets, and then there's a hundred items under each of those that you have to think about. You know, just to ship product, you have to find a distribution partner, you have to negotiate the right rates, you have to figure out the right protocols and processes, and so there's just way too much for any one person to do. You've got to build a team that can help, and if you want to be excellent, a lot of those things early on, having amazing people who can, I think, drive different pieces of that is really valuable. And I think, you know, it was helpful for us to be able to kind of divide and conquer in that way, um, trust each other in an implicit way that we were going to execute well on our individual pieces, and then obviously align on the areas of intersection and sort of the general vision for the business. So how would the co-CEO model be different from, say, one of you being a CEO and one being the COO? I think, you know, for us, we always felt like we were equal partners in this business. That's how we structured the business economically. That's how we structured our sort of engagements with the team. It's us doing this together. And so we felt like creating unnecessary hierarchy would just complicate that dynamic. And it's always been that dynamic. You know, Andy and I kind of joke that we finish each other's sentences. We now, we've known each other for 15 years. We've spent so much time together. And that sometimes our emails just be Jeff and Andy at Harry's.com. <laughs> it's Jeff and Harry's or Andy at Harry's. You know, like your grandparents have an email, you know, whatever. Like a shared email, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we feel like, we, it is a partnership and that, you know, our titles just reflect that partnership. We're also not precious about titles. Like, I've never been like, you know, oh, I'm this, this title, that title. If you have equal footing, has there ever been moments where you've butt heads? I mean, I think there are times when we disagree, but I think we have a tremendous amount of mutual respect for each other. And so our disagreements are never personal. It's always just sort of objective, like what what is the right answer to this specific question? And then we usually use logic and, and reasoning to sort of solve it. And the other thing that we've done a lot is if we have really hard problems that we're not sure of, you know, we talk a lot about the fact that there's not always necessarily a right answer. And so what we then oftentimes do is just get amazing advisors around us and present those questions as a unified front together, say, listen, we're thinking about this. We're actually not sure. 
here are the benefits, here are the drawbacks. Can you just help us think through this? And I think oftentimes their input is really valuable into our decision-making process as well. So it sounds like the way that you guys have figured it out is a matter of like setting aside your egos and just letting someone choose I think that's right. I think we respected each other's perspectives and ability to sort of drive our parts of the business together. When it came to strategy, where are we taking the company? What do we want to build in the long term? I think that's where we spent more time together. And I think, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is that strategy is what you don't do as opposed to what you decide to do because we have all these opportunities. And so for us, it was about thinking about, okay, what are the things that we really want to do and the things that we're not sure about? And then getting input from our team and board and advisors and other people at the right points in time to help us where those answers may not be as clear. Jeff Rader's work family is metaphorical. But for Ali Webb, the line between work family and real family isn't so clear cut. Allie Webb started Blow Dry Salon Dry Bar with her husband, Cameron Webb, who's a designer, and her brother, Michael Landau, who's a marketer. Building a business is grueling work, and Dry Bar taught Webb that it's necessary to draw a line between her personal and professional worlds. I think when you run and own, operate your own business, it's really hard to draw that line between personal and business and, you know, and we're always all talking about the business. Like, it's just such, it's like, you know, the fabric of our lives, really. And so, and there's definitely been fights and disagreements, but I, you know, I think that we all, again, it go, I think it goes back to that level of respect we have for each other, you know, that we trust and that there's like an innate trust that's there. And I think you don't always have to be just with your family and a partnership just with your family to have that, but having somebody that you really trust that feels like family is is crucial. Is there a moment that you could point to either in the early days or even as it was scaling where one of those were, it was maybe threatening yeah. uh, a personal relationship, but you figured it out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the very early days, I was kind of the conduit between Cameron and Michael. And I would be like sending Cameron or I would send Michael something that Cameron had designed and been like, hey, what do you think of this? And then Michael would be like, well, I don't really like blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> and then I'd say, well, Michael doesn't like this. And then Cameron would be like, what the fuck? Like, why doesn't he like that? That's so stupid. And, and I would be like... I don't know. I'm just like the in-between here. And it was a bad place to be. And and finally, I mean, it, it, it sounds so simple in retrospect, but finally I was like, you guys just talk to each other. I don't want to be in the middle of this anymore. Like, you know, and then once they did that and they were they were already like he's my brother-in-law, like they were already like, you know, they were already like family and friends but it kind of forced them to like stop using me as this like go between of like these this back and forth because that's never a good idea for them to talk directly there was like a much greater level I mean they're not technically related so there was like a little more respect I guess between them versus just saying whatever they wanted to me because I was like the sister and the and the wife so that was a lesson we learned really early and then it, what happened it, you know it was kind of magical because Cameron's such a great designer and marketer and and my bro- my brother is such an amazing marketer so when the two of them would get together and talk about things like it would get even better so it was like a blessing you know to get them to actually talk to one another versus talking through me which was not a good idea I think that's why the partnership staying works in so different well. lanes yeah I mean having having strengths and, and knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and what you're good at and what you're not I think is incredibly important for any business no matter what it is you know just how dry bar is built on this premise of doing one thing and doing it really well it's like I think that I think I have a lot of different skill sets but I think you know my main kind of skill and best and highest use with this brand is like making sure the hair 
looks and feels a certain way, the training of the hair, the customer service, like how the shops run, like that's all my stuff. And that's the stuff I know and understand. You know, Michael is dealing with like finding leases and negotiating terms and all the shit I hate, you know, and Cameron, I didn't really understand branding until, you know, we started building Drybar and, and Cameron was so adamant about like, everything being yellow. Like I always tell the story, like our first Valentine's Day, the shop was open. I wanted to bring in pink flowers because it's Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day, it's pink and red. And he was like, no, the flowers have to be yellow. It would go against branding. Yeah, you can't like, (laughs) everything has to be yellow and gray and white. And so I slowly but surely like really learned that from him. And I learned so much from my brother about figuring out spaces and learning how to raise money and all those things. So we've all taught each other so much about each other's areas, but there is still that level of respect of like, this is what you do, this is what I do. And so we divide and conquer. Eddie Liu is the founder of GOAT. That stands for greatest of all time. It's one of the most popular high-end sneaker stores in the world. Liu and his co-founder Daishin Sugano have teamed up on projects before, but GOAT is their first real success. They had to figure out how to work together and how to translate their brotherly dynamic into an effective business strategy. Every night after work, we would just talk about like what we could build on the side, what we could do, how to create a new business. It wasn't a startup back then. It was just, let's create a new business while we're young. And so... Why? What do you think drove you to say that? I, I, I don't know besides the fact that, you know, we, we always wanted more for some reason. I mean, Daesh and I quit cold turkey on the same day in 2007, and we were just like, let's just quit and figure it out. Much to the chagrin of our parents, you know, <laughs> my dad was very happy I had a Lehman Brothers job. But we just we just didn't feel like it was right. We wanted to try something while we were young, so we just quit and started to do stuff. Do you think that you and Daishin would have quit your jobs cold turkey had you guys not had these conversations? Would you have done it on your own if he had not been in your life? I think having a co-founder you can trust is so important. I mean, you hear all the time where it's, it's really hard to start a startup by yourself. And I've seen it through the years. And believe me, Daisha and I have worked through our issues. We're an old married couple now, but in the beginning, we've had physical fights. We've thrown <laughs> each other to the ground. There was this one time at a restaurant, I remember, we had a disagreement about some business term, and we were yelling at each other at the restaurant. People were looking at us. He got up and walked away, and I kept on barking at him, walking out the door, and we totally forgot to pay. <laughs> and we, we just walked out the door all mad at each other. But we, we knew that... You know, just right after that, we're just like, okay, let's just focus again. Let's just get to it. And that's, that's what's really built the company. I mean, resilience is another one of our core values. And it's because we were able to bounce back so quickly from, from setbacks. And thankfully, since we've been together and worked through all those issues for so long, now that we're doing GOAT, it's just so much easier. We know our lanes. We know what each other's good at. And we just can execute. And finally, we're going to hear from Larry Morrow. He's a local hero in New Orleans, where he owns a restaurant and has thrown huge events featuring celebrities like Drake, Lil Wayne, and Mary J. Blige. These days, Larry runs his company on his own. But when he was starting out at 20 years old, he was working with a friend. He had just lined up a deal with Basketball Wives star Drea Michelle, but his business partner didn't want to get on board with his way of running the show. So when Drea and Michelle came down, they wanted to get their hair and nails done. We go to the salon... I'm like, yo, look, let's go half, you know, on on the hand nails. And he was he, he didn't he didn't really want to, so I paid for it. Went to dinner. I told him let's go half. He didn't want to. I paid for it. And I'm 20 years old, and he was like, like five six years older than me at the time. 
and um, he didn't want to go half on it. So I paid for it, and um, pretty much, long story short, at the end of that trip, they, um, they told me, they was like, you know what, out of all the cities you've been to, you took care of us more out of all the cities you've been to. And you being the youngest, it's just like they were impressed by it. And did that business partner that you started off with, did that not work out because you weren't seeing Yeah, no, we, we had two different visions. And I say in my book, it's like when you align yourself with somebody, y'all got to believe in the same things. Like y'all have to... Y'all got to, like, share some of the same vision, and we didn't, you know. So we worked together for three, four years. And I'm thankful for that situation because it taught me so much. And a uh, good dude, but, you know, we just had two different visions. And um, I, I, I think it was best that we parted ways. And let me tell you, when we did, it was on. <laughs> it was on because when you, when you do have a business partner, you got to understand that, you know, it's not all about what you want. It's also about what they want. Um, not saying it's not good to have a business partner because you can go further together than you can on your own but I like I took off thanks for listening to This Is Success our show is produced by Anna Mazarakis and Sarah Wyman Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer and I'm Rich Filoni all those clips you heard today are from episodes you can find in our feed check them out and make sure you subscribe while you're there we'd also appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and a review Both really help new people find the show. We'll be back next week with Daily Beast CEO Heather Dietrich. Before she got a formal job offer at Gawker, she had to do a week-long tryout. The only problem? She already had a full-time job. I very intrepidly went into my boss's office at Hearst and decided I was going to ask him, can I try out another job for a week? And if it doesn't work out, can I come back and have this job still? Yeah, a really outrageous thing to ask. This is Success is a production of Insider Audio.